Hi, welcome to Musings with Monse, a podcast where I have meaningful conversations with all kinds of artists. Musicians, poets, photographers, and other creatives share their honest stories, touching on the duality of being creative, the pure joy of making art, but also the particular struggles that come with it. And honey, there's no way that I'll ever know oh, everything about you, but oh, how I love what I do. And honey, I love what I don't know, too. In this episode, I'm talking to my friend Garrett, a.k.a. G-Love. G-Love and his band just celebrated their 25th year as touring artists with over 15 records released. In this episode, Garrett talks about his journey in the music business, his one regret, and shares his pre-show ritual, which is really quite beautiful. I really appreciated how open Garrett is about his vulnerabilities, about going through lonely times, and about still being nervous and struggling with the I hope they like us feeling, which shows that no matter how successful you are, that feeling doesn't really go away. I called Garrett just before he was about to board his cruise ship to go on a blues cruise tour, so you're going to hear a boat horn in the background a couple of times. I really enjoyed this conversation, and I hope you enjoy listening to it. Hi, are you in um in Boston right now? I'm in San Diego. Got it, got it. Okay, well, thanks for doing this call so early. No worries. Thank you. I'd love to hear in your own words, just tell me a little bit about your story. Well, um, I guess it started back in Philadelphia in the... 80s, I started taking guitar lessons as a kid, and when I was about 15, I wrote my first song, and then that kind of set me out on my journey, which, uh, you know, has led me to be sitting on a patio here in San Diego, about to go out on a blues cruise today down to Mexico. But yeah, uh, I moved to Boston in um, 1992 to kind of try to make what I could out of myself, and uh, <clears throat> started out as a street musician there, met my band. And then a year later, we had a, a record deal at Epic Records and kind of been on the road there ever since then. And that was, and so this year was the 25th anniversary of the release of the first uh, self-titled record. That's amazing. Congratulations on that. And I wanted to mention too, so you, you, you were kind of starting Philly in Boston and you never moved to LA or New York. And um, was that like a conscious decision that you decided to just um, stay kind of close to your roots? It's funny, <clears throat> excuse me, it's funny you say that because um. It's been kind of like, uh, I don't have too many regrets in life, and I try to live like that, but I do have one regret is that I never really did move to New York or L.A. Um, for one reason, just because a lot of my friends are in New York and L.A., Yeah. and of course, it's the center of you know the creative industries, music and television and movies and art, you know, visual art, and it's a lot of where the shakers and movers go, and uh I don't know. Like, I, I guess um, I always really had a really strong, you know, family bond with um, my family and, and my friends and like even my dog. And, Aww, and that yeah. was, <laughs> yeah, that makes I mean? sense to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So so when I got I, I had and I had moved to Boston, like I said, I was a street musician. When I moved up there, it was really like kind of coming of age thing. And uh yeah, it was a lonely time. Like I really, <clears throat> at first, you know, I, I didn't know anybody. I was really just like, my whole thing was, I used to say like, 
look, I'm not here to say to myself, like, I'm not here to be happy. You know, I'm here mm. to like pursue my music and work hard at that and make something of myself. And I did. And um, I, I did have great happiness through my music, but I w- there was a lot of lonely times. But mm-hmm. I, I did look back on that Boston time as a cool time because I went there with, you know, nothing and nobody. And I left there with like, you know, a best friend uh, was the god father of his son mm. i had a girlfriend that i loved i had a killer band and i had a record deal and then we hit the road and and that was in 1994 and then you know we stayed on the road so i didn't ever go home so then i said well my boys from philly came up and moved my stuff back and my mom rented me a crib in, in philly so i moved home then and that was awesome like just kind of coming home mm-hmm. you know like i was first buddy out of anybody I know to do something cool and I uh, came home with a pocket full of money and <laughs> you know was just running shit in Philly and I had all my high school homies and, and then we put a band together and that was really cool till it wasn't and then um but that kind of and then I met a girl in Philly then and then you know we had a kid so that was kind of why I never then you know once you start a family and stuff and then you know well you're not gonna move to New York and then yep and then I met him, and then we split, and she moved to back to Boston uh, when he, after he was born in 2001. Then I moved back to Boston to be with my older son Aiden, and uh, so then that journey now just kind of is coming. Like yeah, as far as his being a kid, he he's a senior this year, and so I was gonna move to New York, but then me and my fiance Kelsey, we had a we had a we have a a, a, a younger son Lewis now right. too, so. Now instead of moving to New York, we're moving to Cape Cod. So oh hey, never, that's not so bad. <laughs> never got to, no, it's great. Like we were super happy, but long story short, never did get to, never did make it to live in New York. But maybe that'll come, you know, later in life. Yeah, there's still time. You know, yeah. <laughs> you never know yeah. where, where it's gonna lead you. So. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, cool, cool. Well, you mentioned, you know, um, the loneliness. And, you know, one of the reasons I wanted to um, start this podcast was to talk to creatives and artists um, a little bit about those those things that we don't necessarily talk about openly out loud, you know, a lot yeah. about the struggles of being um, a musician and or, or a creative, not necessarily just a musician, an artist. Um, could you talk maybe a little bit more about that and sort of your your own struggles in that realm? Yeah, I'm, sure. I mean, I think that, you know, for one thing, like the, you know, I'm a songwriter. I wouldn't, I guess some people would say I'm a singer songwriter. I mean, I sing and write songs. Yep. I'm not like your typical singer songwriter, but I did come up in that coffee shop, uh, open mic, um, coffee house thing, folk houses and stuff like that. So anyway, long story short is that like the, the, the process of writing songs and honing your craft on your instrument it can be a collaborative uh, effort for sure, but it has to be a solo effort, which, uh, you know, requires, you know, tens of thousands of hours and dedication to, you know, sitting alone in a room and, you know, confronting, you know, your feelings and writing about them and, and trying to pull them out of you. And, you know, it's, it's a really inspirational process but it's, uh, it can be an isolating process. Like, you know, especially in the early days, you know, I wouldn't go out. I wouldn't go see shows. My thing was always people were like, Oh, you want to go see the show? I said, no, I don't want to go see a show. I want to play a show, you know, mm-hmm. so I'm going to stay home and practice. <laughs> and then, you know, so my, that was my whole thing. And, you know, like, yeah, just, it was just a constant dedication. And it was the kind of thing that you never could really 
you couldn't slack up on it. There's, it's a funny story, but like, I, I never, like one of my high school buddies moved up to Boston with me, um, r- really early on, right after put the band together, or as I was putting the band together, and we had this roach-infested apartment in Austin and and uh, rock and roll Austin, Boston, Massachusetts, and um, you know, it was, I would just sit in there whenever I wasn't like doing my part-time job or or doing whatever few gigs we had at the time and practice. And, you know, he couldn't get it because he'd be like, yo, let's go, you know. And one day I remember it was like this, it was like a big blizzard. And it's really funny because <laughs> he was like, he had got a sled and he had all his like snow gear on. He was like, come on, man, let's go smoke this blunt and go sledding. And I was like, no, dude, I'm not going to, I'm not going <laughs> to go sledding, man. I got to practice. I got to write, you know, I was like, I'm not here to fucking sled, <laughs> you know. And, and he was all pissed off and kind of huffed off with his sled and, I don't know, that just always stuck with me, but that was yeah. kind of a silly thing, but like, <laughs> you know, I, had, I don't think he, he could really wrap his head around, like, what I was trying to do and why I couldn't, you know, take two hours mm-hmm. that day to go sledding, and, you know, I didn't, and that was, but that was not just a one-time thing, that was like a everyday thing, like, I wasn't available to hang, I was practicing, so, so there, You're super as focused. A, yeah. yeah, as a creative, you gotta have, and it, you, and it's something maybe, it's hard to sustain for your whole life, but certainly, and as life catches up with you and you have kids and you start to have success and you spend a lot of time traveling, like in the last two days, you know, I spent like 18 hours in, in airports, uh, flying from Nashville to Boston mm-hmm. and then from Boston back here to San Diego. So obviously I wasn't practicing my guitar, although I did see someone practicing in the, in the, uh, in the airport <laughs> yesterday. I was like, damn, good for this guy. Um, Maybe he's at where you were years ago, you know? Yeah. Now he's sitting in the United Lounge with like his headphones on, reading sheet music with wow. this kind of uh, computer guitar. I mean, I was impressed. Nowadays, it's hard. It, you know, it's like mo money, mo problems. Not like I'm rich or whatever, but like <laughs> you know, we got a house and you got to like w- pull the weeds and yeah. But but these like everyday things and raising a family, they also contribute to creative thing. And I have put in the ten tens of thousands, not just ten thousand hours, but tens of thousands of hours on stage and in practice so these days i don't get as much time to spend that afternoon Mm -hmm. or that whole day behind my guitar with my notebook you know writing and when i do i'm like oh man i need to be doing this shit every day because it's really a release you know oh absolutely yeah from what i understand you switch up your set list pretty much when you're on tour like every night right you don't do the same ones the same songs yeah i mean we definitely like like there's this band umphreys mcgee and I got to give them props because they, they're really cool about it. Like, they don't even repeat. They don't repeat a song. Whoa. Like if they play a song one night, they won't play it for the next three shows at least. Wow. So they're really. So we've really kind of um, the last three years been really pushing ourselves to dig deeper into our catalog. And we have so many records and so many songs that have got lost along the way that we really try and make an effort to mix up our set list. But I'd say that there's probably, you know, so yeah, we, we do switch up our set list every night. And the way I like to run my set is that I make a set list before we go on stage. And no one can read it anyhow. And I have, I write down, you know, 20 or 40 songs that are on my mind. And then I just really let my show flow. And that's my goal, like to let my show flow in a, you know, I say a organic, raw and grassroots way letting my set just grow on stage with the elements that I'm presented with, which are the crowd, the atmosphere, the way we're playing, the vibe, Mm. you know, the day, 
you know, everything. So um, I let it be unique to that night, you know. And you also visually customize your set list, right? I mean, I'm, I know that's kind of like your trademark. You do these really cool, um, beautiful designs on your set list. Is, have you been doing that from from the start, or is that more recent years? Yeah, no, I've always been doing that. Although, like, after a while, I, I realized, hey, man, these are really cool. And, like, you know, I'd throw them out to the audience every night. But now, like, for the past five years, I've been more, like, making a thing out of it i do like a hand-drawn set list and then you know it's i do it like cool paint pens and everything and in my like kind of graffiti style and then i we frame and we sell the original and then i make six copies and hand them out to the crowd so now that's like a certain thing and um we're all on a really like kind of strict schedule on the road like you do sound check you know you grab a quick bite to eat you know we all like to rack out for an hour or so and get fresh for the show. I get up, I meditate, I do a vocal lesson with my vocal coach on the phone. Um, and then I draw my set list, make my copies and then it's showtime. So it's like a, it's all this kind of like, you know, pregame mm-hmm. rich, ritual thing to kind of get you in the head. And, um, and so, yeah, I find that to be like really centering and um, it's like anything else. It's like, that's the, the process, the, the, the pregame ritual, that's the work that kind of leads up to that, those moments on stage. Cause it, it takes, it takes a lot to like get on stage and you try not to ever get, let it get lost on you that, wow, there's a lot of people that are coming out every night. And, um, and even if there's not as many people as you want, want there to be like, they still paid yeah. and, um, and, and, you know, they're there because it's a big night out for them and you want to make sure that you give them, the freshest, you know, produce that's, that's available, mm. you know? So that's, that's what we do. And, um, it's that process. And and you still have that stage fright, you know, I still have that, like, it's like a lot of, it's like an emotional, spiritual thing, to, like get up to like, get out and really like, you know, figuratively like get naked and, you know, yeah. you say, show your ass, you know? Yeah. So, like, and it's new every crowd. time, right? Yeah. yeah yeah and sometimes you don't have you feel like you don't have anything and, and you still mm. got to dig deep mm. and find mm-hmm. something and pull it out yeah it's fu- it's funny you say this i was actually just about to ask you my next question was um kind of around this topic because i remember um one of the times we got to work together i was um, introing you on stage at um one of my favorite venues in san francisco at the yeah. chapel and oh, i yeah. yeah and i was um i don't know what got to me but I was really nervous um and yeah. I was like I remember how kind you were um and you know you brought such a warmth and energy to me um in that moment and you know feel, made me feel a lot less nervous and after I was done you like got on stage and were it was just so wonderful um uh, <laughs> I really remember thank so, you yeah no thank you um <laughs> <laughs> but I wanted to ask you and you sort of already uh mentioned this but you know wh- when a time when was the last time you f- remember feeling that nervousness and I mean every, every honestly every show for better or for worse like today you know we're doing this blues cruise so we got seven nights out and we do four shows on this boat and we're kind of like you know because we're not kind of genre specific and we kind of can cross over into the blues world, into the jam world, into like, you know, the slightly stupid Mm -hmm. world, um, into the Avid brother world and all these different worlds, because we have really like a, a broad range of like, you know, world and, and American music that we draw from. 
Um, but that does always like pose a problem. Like, so today I'm, I'm very nervous because, um, we're going on this blues cruise. So, you know, like it's a blues audience, you know, that's used to hearing blues songs and mm. we, we play a lot of blues songs. It's certainly a huge blues influence and blues intentions and in what we do, but it's always a thing like, wow, this is a crowd that like. I hope they like us, you know, mm. and, I, and, and we did it last year and, and it went over really well. That's why we're back. But like, it is a thing that we're not exactly what all these people are getting on this boat to see, but it's funny. Cause so I, so I, so long story short is that, you know, the last two days and probably till I get off stage tonight, I'm going to be hoping like, man, I hope we go get over and what are we going to do tonight to, you know, connect with these people with what we do, not doing something what someone else does like yes. really be us but bring that out and it was cool because um actually we checked in the hotel last night and there was some of the you know the blues cruisers and there was this older couple that were sitting on a couch and they said oh hey you know g love we you know we were on the cruise last year he goes i love that song can't go back to jersey and that's like a like kind of a hip-hop song right. and i was like oh shit all right cool so it was interesting to hear this guy is obviously a huge blues fan, and the song, the one song that he remembered of whatever uh -huh. how many sets he saw on us on the last boat was the, is the um, the hip hop one. Wow, <laughs> that's so funny and probably reassuring to know that it doesn't yeah. have to fit into some box. You know, it's like yeah. I think, you know, musicians, I think the best thing you can do is just be authentically yourself, you know, in performing and, yeah. and not worry so much about what people are going to think because, you know, it's like, whatever, they're going to think what they're going to think. But, you know, you, you're going to find your right fans just being yourself, you know, and putting out to the world what's really in you. It's it's good for people to hear that even you, you know, it's very, very successful musician um, has these moments of feeling like almost insecure, I guess, about, you know, um, yeah, I mean, I think insecure is the word. I, and it's funny that I was just about to say the same word because it is like, a, I think a lot of musicians are insecure. And that's totally. why that they're, and, and musicians themselves are kind of flaky, quirky people. And especially the ones that spent so much time in their room alone. You know <laughs> right, what I mean? So right, right. It's almost like the better people are, the weirder they get in this world that we're in. And um, So true. And there's uh, there's very few musicians that I know that, um seem to not get nervous I mean, totally. it's, it seems like you know jack johnson he's a great friend and um he always seems like cool as a cucumber mm -hmm. and he's playing in front of you know twenty thousand, thirty thousand people are and i'm just like god damn how is he, this guy so relaxed right but then and then also thinking about like before the show they're not hanging out Mm. And he doesn't, he's not, they don't take naps and stuff like we do. They're like backstage and they have like a practice room and they're just like running tunes and just, just doing music. And, um, I guess it's getting loose and not even thinking about, it's interesting because I don't think they even, if I break it down from an outsider, I'm just watching their process. Like, it's almost like they just kind of get in the zone of playing music and running their tunes. And then they take that same mm -hmm. lay, laid back thing right out on the stage in front of all those people. And it really works. And it's, um, it's just, Oh, it's like anything else. You, you learn, you learn a lot from everybody. So totally. Well, it's funny. I mean, one of my close friends, <clears throat> you know, who um, plays Red Rocks, you know, you know, even he gets nervous right before going on. And, you know, I, I'm like, yeah. how do you not, you know? <laughs> no, it's, it's funny you bring up the Red Rocks thing. Cause actually I had a real, 
that room in particular has made me more nervous than just about any room. It's funny because we had headlined Red Rocks as our last headliner in 2008. And I had a tough year that year because I had vocal surgery, but oh. I had a partic particularly rough night at Red Rocks that night as, as mm. my first true headliner that, and I really felt like the room stoked me out and, um, and I Oof, just yeah. felt like a fail, you know? Oh. And, um, so, so this past year I returned with blues traveler and I was opening up for them, but, um, I, I was like thinking about this show for so long, like, oh my God, please don't fuck this show up. You know? Mm. And um, before that Red Rock show, I was like, you know what? For some reason, I, I just was like, I'm not even going to drink because I don't want to have the altitude. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't want my regular drink to like put me on my ass. So I didn't drink. And um, I had this wonderful show and I felt this wonderful euphoric connection with the crowd. Mm. And, and it really, it's kind of like put me on a different path. Like, so since then, I kind of, stopped drinking before the show and then really I stopped even drinking like during the show because I felt like it's like a different kind of high and a different connection and yeah. still being able to be loose and even more connected it, it's been um it's been a cool little journey I've been on like that recently so well, that's thanks cool. to Red Rocks I love it <laughs> yeah yeah I mean that's it's great. a magical room oh really. gosh that's yeah, that place is, is something else. Um, you know, speaking of just, you know, being an artist and having rough days or really just being a human. I mean, we all have rough days no matter what yeah, profession. Yeah. Um, yeah. What's in your personal toolkit to help you get through like a bummer day? Um, well, you know, I, I, I um, my manager was telling me about this podcast by this guy, Tim Ferriss. Oh, you know? yes. Yeah, he's great. Yeah. And I and I, I listened to a bunch of the podcasts and he always has like a the podcast is sponsored by someone so one of the regular sponsors is this headspace meditation app. yes my dad told and, me about um, this yeah <laughs> yeah and, and i and it was like the it's called 10 10 for 10 like you do 10 minutes 10 days in a row uh -huh. and um and i did it and you know and that week i wrote a really cool tune and i also had been in a really negative space for a couple of years I had a terrible you know end of a relationship with an, uh, my previous fiance and, mm -hmm. I, and I was really like in a bad place and I started helping me coming out of that so so meditation you know is something that and I don't do it every day like I, I usually do it on show days or I do it on days where I am stressed mm -hmm. so that's that's part of I would say like a really has become an important thing in my toolkit um and then of course just like getting on stage it, i'm so thankful to be able to do it because it, it's a, such a it's like taking a spiritual shower every night like mm. and i always say before i go on stage like i say this pre-show kind of um you know i'll tell you something it goes like uh it goes like yeah i feel happy it's it's kind of low I, I feel happy and euphoric with joy to be playing music my skills are practicing on point i feel seasoned and confident from years on stage, engage the crowd and connect with them all. And I say, tonight I'll play my best show ever. I let tonight be its own night, a great night inspired in its own way. And I feel the crowd. I don't judge the crowd. I feel my body moving agilely and loosely. I sweat and feel my body release any tension. I feel a synergy and a connection with my band. I inspire my band to reach new musical heights. I feel the gift. 
you know, I'm a rock star. I'm a man of the people. I stalk the stage like a great panther. <laughs> uh, That's and beautiful. I say, and then I say, the people I love and respect, love and respect what I do. And I said, I'm, I'm, I'm a happy person. I'm happy. I'm here to bring love and inspiration. Uh, the, uh, the best part of my, the show is the best part of my day. I'm at my best when I play music. And then I say, you know, and it goes on. And I say, you know, I, I love, I love, I love mm. the stage. I love my band. I love the people. I love this room. I love this opportunity. And then I'm saying, I'm ready. Let's have a great show. And oh. thank you for this opportunity. So I, I say this to myself right before I go on stage every night. And um, it's just like an affirmation. That's a big part of my toolkit. And, and then, and then the kind of the last one before we go on stage is like, we have a, a really simple, quick moment where we just, the three of us, Jim, Jeff and I just kind of have a group hug hmm. and um, it's not some kind of hyped up thing. Yeah. But it's just like a, a moment where we just kind of physically embrace and you know look at each other and it's just often like let's just let's go have fun let's have a great show and um and and i think those moments that that really moment just it can last ten, less than 10 seconds even that just like us coming together realizing that we're the three of us are going to go out there and make some magic happen bring something out of ourselves to the people. It's a really important part of our, our toolkit, you know, so, That's yeah, so all these awesome. things. Thank you for sharing all that. That's just so awesome and, and beautiful. Um, yeah. Well, I'm going to let you go get on that boat, you know, so I don't want you to be late, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, okay. but, but thank you so much for taking the time and you're just the best. Um, and I hopefully I'll see you out there soon. I hope so too, Monty. Well, thank you. And uh, thanks to all your listeners. And uh, yeah, I'm happy to be a part of what you're doing. Thanks, Garrett. Talk to you soon. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you. Musings with Monse, artists and their honest stories, is audio produced by the amazing Aaron Mooring, and the beautiful theme music you hear is by Heather Maloney. <laughs>